and welcome to the 267 podcast. I am Ben, and I'm back <laughs> reclaiming this podcast from the intern Alex. Also, uh, we've been talking. For, I've been away too long. I've been editing in the shadows, and I'm back to reclaim it. Oh, Hi, Alex. Hi, Ben. <laughs> welcome. How many has she stolen off you, then, Ben? Like three. It's not that yeah. many. <laughs> I'm just very jealous. Megalomaniac <laughs> Ben in the they, corner. They were, they were pretty good three, though. They were. Oh. They were some of the best ones. <laughs> and there is a common element there. <laughs> but I have the microphone. Uh, <laughs> the power's back. Also joined by... Oh, I can do a fun name. The little goblin in the works, Mike Thielen. Wow. Yeah. I've, Alex didn't well, do any little, which names. is quite nice. Devastating. Little. You're like my little Alex Horn. Yeah. Little Alex Horn. Also joined for the first time, I think since the first ever podcast. Ooh. Maybe. I obviously did that really well. (laughs) (laughs) Have you only been on one? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. We've had Lauren on like four times. Yeah, yeah, the the daughter has been on plenty. (laughs) She's good. And I think my son has as well. Yeah. 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 Claire Bannum in the room. It's good to be here. Great. And then also, special guest. Emily, I don't know what your second name is. <laughs> Hello. Um, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It's great. Uh, and Claire's going to tell us what we're yeah. talking about. So we, uh, we thought we would have a, a conversation um, about mental health today. Uh, so I uh, am the director of Haven, which is a 267 ministry where we support young people uh, in their mental health, specifically and especially with anxiety. Um, trying to make anxiety better, not increase their anxiety, <laughs> you know what I mean? So we're doing a, we do a lot of, of stuff with young people uh, in uh, local groups, in churches, but also in schools, um, just equipping people with uh, practical tools and strategies. So it's, it's kind of where we're at, um, and we totally want to... Uh, yeah, engage and kind of be part of the conversation because it's really needed at the moment, isn't it? And Haven's four-year birthday I know. this Happy week. Birthday to so, and many more to come because we're sort of putting quite a chunk of energy into Haven yeah, growing up. Yeah, very exciting. So we wanted to improve our knowledge, I suppose, is one thing, but have broaden our conversation, yeah. which is why we've got Emily. Yeah. And I knew Emily when she was smaller because we used to go to the same church somewhere. Yeah. But I've not seen you for a while, which is really nice to see you. So we're just going to chat and see where it goes. Mm. And Alex, it's just always good to hear your story. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> right. So Claire, we've got an opening question. Where are we going to go? What are we going to start with? Um, I guess, probably, what, when, when we talk about mental health, mm-hmm. what are we talking about? Yeah. Because actually I think it means different things to different people. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's probably some things out there that aren't so helpful. Emily, let's let's start with you. If someone said to you, right, what, what explain what 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 is covered by that umbrella term of mental health to you? Um, I don't know. A lot of different things. Like you said, it means different things to different people. I think in general, it's kind of, I suppose, just about physical health. It's mm. it's kind of on that level of I don't even know what I'm saying. Yeah, like right now. Of, of being well or not well, isn't it? We're all yeah. Like so. Yeah. So it, you know, if we're thinking about physical health. Yeah. You, you're like, well, you know, for me, I'm like, well, mostly I'm great, but at the moment, mm. my energy levels aren't brilliant. I know I'm not really fully mm. fit at the moment, but so we're all on a spectrum, aren't we, of kind of wellness to not well. Yeah, and in and general, it's, it's about your well-being, your mental well-being, yes. kind of how you're 
managing everyday life, like what your kind of mood is like, yeah. um, kind of all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, for some people, mental health is more about um, mental illness. And yeah. I think that's, this week's obviously Mental Health Awareness Week. Mm. Um, and I think there's a lot of discussion about, well, fair enough, you can tell me to go for a walk outside to help people's mental health, but what about the people who are really unwell and who mm. can't access the services that they need because of yeah. a lack of funding and because of they're struggling to kind of get into those services? Um, so what about them? We can't just talk about nature and <laughs> all these things that are good for everyone's mental well-being. What about kind of the other stuff, the darker stuff, the harder stuff that kind of I gets mean, pushed under the surface? I think what, like, using the metaphor of, like, Oh, my energy level's a bit low, almost like the walk in the woods is a bit like seeing someone with a broken leg and giving them some paracetamol. Like, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. not suitable for the yeah. injury, yeah. I guess. And the conversation seems to have changed because I think that, that a few years ago, mental health would have been almost something that you almost catch. So you either got it or you don't have it. Because we didn't really mm-hmm. talk about it because we thought, well, I, I don't have a mental health problem. Yeah. Whereas actually, you're right, Claire, that we all need to be aware of our mental health. It's just for some people, it's slightly more yeah. polarised at the moment. And so that's why you said mental illness, mm. because that becomes a very different conversation, isn't it? Mm. Because I think we all need to be aware of our mental health. But actually, for some people, mm. it becomes slightly more yeah. weightier, and you have to have slightly more intervention and stuff yeah. like that. And I think, yeah, we just need to talk about it. We're just not very good at talking about stuff. I always joke with people in church, say, in church, particularly the circles that I move in, we, we don't talk about sex money and death at and all in the church issues as well. yeah and they're all the things where we've got the biggest issues and we don't talk about them and I think mental health is one of those things that we're definitely getting better yeah. in previous years but we still need to talk about it more so the reason we've got Emily in is because we want to hear a bit about your story which is really helpful but also actually how the church maybe has or hasn't helped is a really good mm. conversation but also just we want to steal some wisdom of how we can be better mm. and especially in dealing with other young people and because like you said we're all having a mental health journey mm. and some days we're great and mm. some days we're not yeah if you could fix the church that'd be great <laughs> <laughs> in a 40 minute podcast yeah. yeah that's impressive that, that's going to be our description by the end of this podcast we'll have fixed all mental health uh, and the church with the church you can do both oh no I thought you were going to fix mental health and the church oh why not um <laughs> Emily, can I ask, what is a, what's a good day for you? Oh, <laughs> um, well, to be honest, most of my days now are good compared okay. to what they were. So I'm going to ask you so, what a bad day is going to be. Okay. So I wanted you to give me that difference. Um, it's hard because, like, at the moment, good days and bad days, I suppose, are more like anyone else's good days and bad days. Okay. But in the past, my good days and bad days have been very different. Okay. So um, it really depends period of time we're talking let's go back three years three years so when i was 16 yeah what's a bad day (laughs) you share as much as you want um a bad day is uh was having panic attacks um running away from school parents being called because of safeguarding risks um kind of just a lot of darkness okay a lot of not wanting to really be here you know okay (laughs) And a good day? A good day was probably just not having a panic attack, just right. making it through the day, maybe seeing a friend. Um, that was a good day. But it was still, there was a lot of stuff there that was still quite hard. Absolutely. Can I ask Emily, um, mm-hmm. 
when you look back now, mm-hmm. when do you think that anxiety started to become a, a, an mm-hmm. issue? When do you? Because I think I'm aware now that although we might start to spot mm-hmm. the issues in people's behaviour at yeah. a certain stage, actually when you talk to them, the signs are there for a long time, you just yeah. don't yeah. catch them. So what, what, where, where do you think that that kind of anxiety has started to become a, a, an issue for you? So um, with me, it was very obvious when it first became a problem. Um, my granddad died when I was 13 and I went on a school trip to Belgium literally like three weeks later or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, it might have been a bit like a few weeks after my granddad died we went on a school trip to Belgium and it was like looking around all the graves and war memorials oh, and stuff goodness. and so while I was there I had my first panic attack um, I actually ended up in hospital there because the teachers were like what is happening I had rashes wow. all over my body I felt faint I felt sick dizzy I just yeah it was horrible um and after then I just was kind of having like three or four panic attacks every day at school um so it, it there was a very obvious very obvious mm. moment when it mm. became very visible I think before then my anxiety was um, much more under the surface. I was always a perfectionist, a high achiever. I always had very high standards for myself and things would make me anxious, but it wasn't obvious. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's, I think that's common, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the um, you know, people I work with is that although mm-hmm. they come to Haven because it's suddenly become apparent that it's, they're yeah. really struggling, actually when they look back to childhood they can mm-hmm. see that actually those days when they couldn't go to school because they felt sick mm-hmm. or there was a pain in their tummy or whatever mm-hmm. actually a lot of that is probably it was probably anxiety it's just they didn't have the words for it and they didn't know how to yeah. explain what they were feeling yeah. and yeah. is that another bizarre phenomenon that we we should have realized years ago that the mental health and the physical health oh, yeah. are so massively linked when i think for years we have them over here isn't it yeah. like that whereas actually now we know that actually you could be having a really dark day in your mind and it completely comes out in a very physical way doesn't it or the opposite like I definitely struggle with I'm not very good at processing emotions mm. so it'll really be that like I'll think I'm fine, doing fine mentally and then I'll suddenly start having like physical mm. symptoms wow like, okay I mean when I I was in a wheelchair for like a year and a half and basically that's traced back to my dad died and I didn't really process it and mm. sort of this whole snowball effect after that I was just in constant pain for a year and thinking what's caused this and it wasn't until speaking to like therapists and things like yeah mm. mental health affects your body and wow. that well, blew my mind the thing is that we go they're two different departments yeah but that's not the way we've been designed no, exactly the way we've been designed is it all fits together <laughs> and you know our mind literally our body doesn't work apart from our mind and our you know so of course it's all going to be interconnected it makes perfect sense it's just trying to unpick that sometimes is complicated yeah. isn't it yeah, and I think, so I was, I'm autistic and grew up undiagnosed, and I think that definitely affects mm. emotional um, processing and um, understanding what you're feeling and stuff like that. Mm. So I think um, that was hard as well. Mm. Um, yeah. Which of the, I'm, I feel very uneducated in this, so mm-hmm. tell me if I'm being a, right. an idiot. Which of the sort of processes that you, started to go through and learn were the most helpful for your... Because one of the things I do know is that we're all very different, aren't we? And what works for some people... So you're sort of 16, 17, you're working through using medical health professionals to help you. What are the things that are starting to help you sort of work through this? What sort of Um, conversations, systems, plans? 
So firstly, I think it was professionals actually listening and understanding what I was saying. So when I, it's funny now because reading back through some of my um, letters from like services when I first went to ask for help, um, they blamed it all on my granddad dying and I was trying to explain, look, this has been a problem beforehand Mm. and I was told that I was basically being stubborn. It literally uses the word stubborn in one of my letters. And um, so I think that was the first thing, them actually understanding where I was coming from and looking back at my childhood and trying to make sense of it. Um, Another thing was also finding out that I was autistic. That was massive because I think if you've grown up not understanding why you are the way you are and why you kind of feel different to everyone else. Um, So being able to understand that and then connect with other young autistic people was really helpful. And then also receiving the right support, um, I suppose, from mental health services, but also from, like, people around you, like, school were amazing as well. Um, So I was in CAMS, Children and Young People's Mental Health Services, um, for a while. And then I was moved to adult services. And actually, both of the psychologists I've seen have been amazing. And um, I've been doing this therapy called DBT dialectical behavioural therapy um, which has been really good so how does that because I'm aware uh, I think most people have heard of CBT Mm. cognitive behavioural therapy so how what's the main differences between the two so CBT didn't work for me that's basically there's um, CBT I suppose is more about looking I mean I'm not a trained CBT professional or anything but I think for me it felt like CBT was trying to identify maladaptive thoughts and change them yeah. and I was trying to say but I can't change my thoughts the thoughts I'm having mm. if you're telling if if there's a slight chance that something is going to happen I need to plan for that you can't and that's I think where like some of my autism comes in as well right and um, kind of black and white thinking I just don't think CBT really was very compatible with the way my brain worked yeah but DBT um is about um oh, there's many different aspects of DBTs but it's kind of about being able to sit with two opposite emotions at the same time, how oh, kind wow. of emotional regulation, um, distress tolerance skills, um, interpersonal effectiveness skills, and mindfulness. Um, so there's kind of four aspects to it. Um, it's actually originally developed for borderline personality disorder, mm-hmm. which I was originally misdiagnosed with because it can present quite similarly to autism in girls. Um, but it's still been amazing therapy. Brilliant. Wow. It it's so good, good to hear when the mental health system works. Yeah. Because uh, I think we hear a lot about yeah. the times that it doesn't work mm-hmm. or we hear about the how much they're overrun at the moment. Yeah. And, you know, you know, anecdotally, so we work a lot with them um, in schools. We run Haven courses in schools, secondary schools in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, and we work quite, you know, quite a lot with the schools to help individuals are on our courses because... Mm-hmm. To, to access other, we sort of try to signpost them and then we're working with the schools to prevent, provide evidence because it's so, so hard is, yeah. to get access to, mm. to CAMS at the moment because they're just so underfunded. Mm. But that was like me originally. So when I was 13, my mum was like, we need help. Mm. And um, it was just very difficult to get into services. Um, I had anxiety, there was no risk. They, mm. there, was no fun, there was very little funding for that. Mm. Um, so I was with an early intervention service for a little bit. Um, who gave me six weeks of CBT mm. um, and then I was discharged from them and then it wasn't until um, I kind of had this big crisis ended up in um, hospital mm. that I actually started to receive help because yeah. by that time my risk was high and they were like we've got to do something yeah so. and that's a sad thing isn't it I mean and that I guess is the vision for Haven is that mm. we are there mm. to help provide some practical strategies and tools for those young people so that that are struggling 
before they get to that stage yeah. of needing camps and needing to be on the, the real sort of at risk. Yeah. As a Christian youth worker, mm-hmm. you come to my youth group. Yeah. What is the very best way I can support you? Um, Whether that's coming from a mental health conversation or yeah. an autistic conversation, yeah. how do I support? Um, I think obviously it's hard because you're going to have so many kids at this youth group, which yeah, is understandable. Yeah. Um, but honestly, just building a relationship with that person and kind of understanding when what situations they might find difficult and what they can do in those situations, kind of like almost risk planning, but or right. kind of care planning but not quite just having like a set kind of plan like oh if you're feeling like this what can we do and trying to stick to that plan yeah. if you can um, obviously it's very difficult because there's so many kids and things happen but um, and that's like wanting to treat people as individuals isn't it rather than making yeah. a blanket plan you want to say For actually sure. what are your needs what are your needs and to a degree we always want to be able to do that even if it is it's rain by the way if you hear it on the podcast <laughs> oh it sounds rude Atmospheric. Yeah. It's like one of those film noir, you know, it's raining outside. You didn't have any rain on your podcast. What's that all about? No, sorry about that. We just had the bin men. That's what happened. That's what we recorded the last one. Everything's better when Alex. Hi, we are back. We've just taken a quick break. We're now recording live from the arc post pod. So, yeah. So we were talking about um, how churches kind of respond to individuals uh, mm. who are struggling with their mental health mm-hmm. um, and how they can do better. Um, so kind of we, we're having some very sort of general conversations about, in the church at the moment, I think you were saying, we were saying that actually anxiety, depression, they're much more recognised. Mm. But is that the be-all and end-all of helping those who are struggling with their yeah. mental health, do we think? No, um, for sure. In terms of other mental health conditions that are maybe more stigmatised or less understood, like schizophrenia, psychosis, um, even things like OCD, there's a big conversation to be had around religious OCD, which is very prevalent amongst people who go to church, kind of struggling with um, obsessions, compulsions related to kind of Bible teachings and um, stuff like that. That's not talked about, and I think... Um, there's just a big lack of understanding there around some of the more um, less spoken about mental health issues. But even with anxiety and depression, I think um, people are very supportive when you first come out with saying you have anxiety or depression. But I feel like the longer it goes on, the more people are like, well, hasn't God cured you yet? Or yeah. why, why aren't you putting your trust in God? Why are you letting yeah. this anxiety get you? And um, I know, like, I've been prayed for several times that I will be healed in that moment. And then when I'm like, but I've been prayed for for, like, five years about this, they'll be like, well, you're not trusting God enough. And that's really hurtful, and I think it can really affect your relationship with God and your kind of whole faith. It's hurtful. It's harmful. Mm, yeah, it's, yeah, definitely. I think it's a really, it's a really interesting conversation about how do we support people long-term Mm. rather than like you said almost getting to this point of oh are you are you still broken you know yeah. no, no, why, why isn't it fixed that it must be something we can't fix so yeah. and it's just a weird we're all broken yeah exactly and if we all kind of if we just acknowledge the fact of our brokenness mm. then and actually also the fact that the bible is full of 
people who are broken, who are fearful. Yeah. You know, do not fear is one of the most common kind of mm. phrases in the Bible, isn't it? Mm. And yet it would suggest to me that we're having to have that repeated a lot because actually that is, <laughs> that is a natural part of our, our human yeah. journey. But also there's a Bible teaching. I'm not, you'll, you might have to help me with what specifically this is, but there's a teaching that says that the most broken in this life will be like the something in the next. Mm. Is, that, okay. is that something, is that a teaching you know of? A verse or no. something? Um, in our weakness, there is, you know, we, we, is there is strength. Yeah, really and it's basically about saying that the more broken you are in this life, <laughs> the better your next life will be. And I think that's really harmful yeah. because there's um, the way I've heard it in kind of um, sermons and stuff is about how God has made these, God has kind of made you broken because you're super special or whatever. And I think it can be really harmful. I don't know. I'd love to know exactly what the verse is um, because mm. I think it kind of teaches that. Um, someone who loves you will put harm onto you in, and I'm yeah. just like that is not that's abusive and I think there are teachings that yeah. but it's like all of these things isn't it they take one verse mm. take it completely out of the context yeah. blow it all up around yeah. that to fit with their own to fit with the sort of the theology or the, the kind of spirituality and uh, and yet that you know we don't believe in a God who wishes us harm we have a God who enable us, enables us despite our flaws and our weaknesses. And actually there is this thing about, you know, if we acknowledge our own weaknesses, the things that we do and that we manage to do, it becomes more glorifying to God yeah. because it's clearly God at work and not just us in our own strength. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah. But, you know, actually having a God who <clears throat> would wish harm on us, mm. that is, doesn't fit with our... You know our mm. our loving God, who just wants who wants the very best for us. Mm. And we also have to acknowledge that the Christian life is one of struggle. It yeah. just is one of struggle and of pain and of sacrifice. And if you don't, you know, if you look at Jesus's life, then surely that is, you know, the model that we. I don't think it's even the Christian life. It's just life, life. is difficult. <laughs> like you know. Yeah. I think for me, as someone else who's like had a lot of mental health issues and physical health issues like for me god has been massively helpful for me in that the church maybe not so much uh at points but um i think the idea that like because we believe in god we won't go through struggles is absurd and to me it doesn't mean that i won't go through that it just means that i won't go through that sort of alone i yeah. guess and that's what i find helpful brilliant in god but yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I wonder whether, you know, that we talk a lot in 237 about, you know, doing life together and relationships. And I wonder whether our, our brain says, our human brain says, I want to fix something. You know, we've got a very fixing mentality in the world. You know, we see a problem, we want to fix it, and then we move on to the next problem and we fix that again. Whereas actually, most of the time you see this sort of conversation in the Bible, you see this journey, you don't see this there's a person that's fixed, it's dealt with, and it's, it's almost this long journey. And I really would hope that actually Christian communities need to be places where you're not fixing a broken problem, but you're journeying with them for the long haul, you know, because that, that is, because we don't get fixed in the yeah. sense of, you know, a broken radio is then made new, yeah. but we get someone that actually walks with us so that actually we can heal and we can feel whole in every way that we need to feel whole. Um, and that's not to say that God can't heal lots of things, lots, lots of people in lots of situations. I believe that God 
in God's miraculous power. But it's complicated, isn't it? Because, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, there are, we celebrate the times when by his grace, by his gift, somebody is taken from a position of pain and brought to this position of more wholeness. That's fabulous. But what about the person sitting next to them that has almost identical kind of issues mm. and yet, and is praying just as fervently and is believing in God and yet that doesn't happen. So life is complicated. We are complicated. Mm. And the more we accept that and are willing to kind of not try and kind of create this one site fix it all solution, I think the more kind of authentic journey we can be on with one another. And that goes back to what you said about youth leaders. You know, we, even though it is hard, if you've got 25 kids in your youth yeah, group, exactly. how do you invest in 25 kids appropriately? And that is where the church needs to not rely on a youth worker, but on the whole church getting mm-hmm. behind the youth work so that you can have volunteers, you can have grandparents, you can have parents getting behind so that if there is mm-hmm. 25 people in the, young, in, the, in the youth group and 20 of them need additional support yeah. and journeying and supper and listening to that you can do that because if if you shape it around a youth worker running a youth group of 25 he's never going to be able to do that because he's going to be drawn to the loud popular ones that can preach and live worship and mm. are superstars or he's going to be drawn to the boys or she's going to be drawn to the girls and you'll always have people falling through the gap so we've got to have a church that can invest not in one person or two people but mm. we all get behind it and I think you're right, because everyone's story is different and how we deal with the same problem is different and we need to be listened to. I'm wondering um, when we've had it modelled well. Uh, when, have, when have the friends, our communities, our family, people around us, when have they shown us what it's like to kind of support us in mm. a good way? Because it's, it's, sometimes it's easy for us to kind of pick mm. apart the problems, but it's actually really good to share... Uh, those times when it works, doesn't it? So that we get a better understanding of how it, we can walk with our friends, mm. uh, support mm. those who um, have mental health um, problems and issues and illnesses. Because you mentioned better. the time and the right help, didn't you? So I did. As I being think for me, a massive part was time as well and also receiving the right support. I think um, as an autistic person, I found school quite overwhelming. Um, like, and I think sometimes going back into the same environment that you find overwhelming all the time, even when you're getting the right support, isn't really going to help you move, grow or move forward. And I do think that leaving school gave me kind of, I suppose, the freedom to be able right. to um, move on from mm. everything I was feeling at school. Okay. Um, so time for me was massive. and uh, But I also think that time in general... Um, it's like what they say about grief, isn't it? Like, time is the healer, because sometimes there's not a huge yeah. amount you can do other than just wait it, wait yeah. it out. But you have to be accessing the right support as well. You have to be yeah. able to access the right therapy, the right, if you are struggling, the right therapy, the right um, professionals. Um, you need people around you to understand what's going yeah. on. Yeah. And that is so often not what people experience. And Claire touched on it. So how do we be good friends... Yeah. to people you know Alex it'd be good to hear what you yeah. you know because yeah. I think one of the things we is how do we just be friends to people rather than saying I've got to be someone that's fixing it yeah. or something how do we be so you know your, what are your which of your friends have you still got 
through that journey and why they've been your friends, what the friends that have been there, what behaviour do they exhibit that yeah. mean they've been helpful to you? There is a friend that I made at the, I want to say like the start of the second lockdown. Um, so we went to school to, with each other and we never spoke at school, but we started speaking during lockdown. She is the best person I know, but she uses this, this phrase every time I have an issue and go to her, because uh, I don't know whether it's like a formal um, diagnosable thing, but I really struggle with dissociation. So when I get really stressed out or I have a lot of anxiety, it's almost as if my mind disconnects from my body. So I'm almost watching myself operate and I can hear myself, but I don't feel completely attached to my body. Um, and my friend, she has never had uh, dissociation or she's never experienced that, but she, she uses this phrase every single time. And it's, I don't know what you're going through, I don't fully understand, but I am here for you no matter what. And I think that perfectly sums up how um, we can be a, a friend to people and we mm. can be support because I learn from that and I take away from that that I'm not gonna know exactly no. what is going on in people's brains because some people can't articulate it exactly, but it's knowing that and accepting that, but also being prepared to listen and, and sit there and yeah. Just be a friendly face, I guess. I think listening's the really key point because we talked about how sort of there's not a one size fits all yeah. fix for mental health issues, and yeah. I think there's also not a one size fits all way to be a good friend. Like definitely for me, there's been times where like uh, Catherine Robertson, ex friend of the podcast, <laughs> is an excellent person at this. For just when she knows I'm a bit down. She'll message me basically saying, do you want to see people? Do you want to be left alone? Because <laughs> sometimes when I'm really down, actually going and seeing people is really what I need and it sort of, I guess, lifts me a bit. Uh, and then other times all I need is to sit and watch Netflix for 24 hours that day. And, you know, both the valid in different you don't want people to assume how you feel. They want to ask how yeah, you feel. Like yeah, yeah. Listening is always yeah. the key, isn't it? That, yeah, but that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's actually asking the individual what's going to work for you in this circumstance. Because yeah. I think that I think back to what we were talking about churches and go, oh my goodness, how many how many hurts would have been prevented if the church team of whatever size or, or, hmm. or flavor would talk to the individual and say, what is going to be the best support for you at the moment? And kind of build our, our, you know, our approaches around that rather than the tick list risk assessments mm. and all the other things that we sort of get really worried about as leaders. Actually, it's let's come back to the individual and just listen, yeah. listen to what they're going through, listen to how they're. Yeah, it's about connections, isn't it? Meaningful connections with other people. And Good it's two way. It's two way as well. Mm. Like, um, I think. Yeah, like my friends have been amazing to me. Like one of my friends, when it was a few, going back a few years, um, one of my friends I've been friends with her since we were eleven. Still my best friend now, and um, it was her birthday, and she was going to go out for dinner. And it, at that time, I literally could not imagine anything worse than sitting in a restaurant. Like <laughs> it would just send me into a panic attack. And um, so she was like, she was like, Emily, would you come if I did a takeaway at my house? And I was like yeah but just go out like I don't want to like get stop you from doing that and she was like no because I want you to be a part of it mm. so she changed it to have a takeaway at her house and honestly that just meant so much and um, I would never have asked her to do that um, but that was um, 
that was, I think, an example of how someone can be there for you, but also still kind of, she was not like she was giving me therapy or anything, like, she was just being my friend, and I guess it's about me walking with her through her problems, and her walking with me, so it's kind of a two-way, two-way thing, isn't it? Yeah, she's great. Now, can I ask the practice, the people we hope will listen to this podcast, we we hope people do listen to the podcast. We've seen them. Statistically, they do. Statistically, (laughs) they do. So, say there's a bunch of people aged 16 to 20 listening to this, and they haven't got some of those things in place. Mm. What can you encourage them to do to improve their mental health? Talk to someone. And I'd like to say that the response will be helpful and brilliant, but it's not always. (laughs) And so I think sometimes you have to talk to a few people. Okay. And um, people say just reach, just reach out, but it's not always about just reaching out. You do have to do it time and time again, which can be really exhausting mm. and hard. Uh, but um, just don't suffer alone. There are people that do understand, um, or who have ex- ha- or who have had experiences that means maybe they're more empathetic. People won't always understand exactly what you're going through, like you mm. said, Alex. Mm. But they'll be there to listen and. Yeah, I just hope that you can find that person. Yeah, that's nice. And I think sometimes it is just about having that person to almost like validate what you're going mm. through. I think particularly with mental health issues, you almost sort of get so inside your own head that you start questioning, yeah. like, is what I'm feeling valid? Is, you know, yeah. the thing I'm going through real? Mm. And I think just having someone to be there and sort of listen and validate is massive. Yeah. So, yeah. And Claire, I just want to talk about Haven mm. a little bit before we sort of wind up. So Haven sits, and if I've got this wrong, then I'm a terrible director of a charity. <laughs> um, I think it sits between the sort of journey of someone who's just having a bit of grump through to someone who's needing some medical intervention. Yeah. We sit in the middle a little bit, I yeah, think yeah. Is, is the best way. So in the next six months to a year, mm. what is Haven's journey that's going to be sp- what are we going to be doing to speak into that? Because I would guess of the 16,000 teenagers in the St. Albans and Harpenden area, 20, 30% mm. would be in that section, mm. if not more. Mm. Now, we can't fix everyone. Mm. Can't fix anyone. But what what is the sort of thing? So we've been going into schools. And yeah, so at the moment we, we run Haven local groups in partnership with churches. Um, we've got one still just started meeting back face-to-face whoop, whoop, uh, mm-hmm. in Harpenden, which is brilliant, um, uh, and more to come. And they are monthly kind of dropping groups, which are really about being with people who get it, who are other young people who are going through a similar thing, uh, adults who understand. Um, and we, we're really about just spending time together and focusing on one practical strategy tool uh, way of thinking uh, per session so we're not going to kind of like overload stuff mm. it's, and we eat pizza we eat quite a lot of pizza wow. drink hot chocolate that kind of stuff wow. um, so they're really great and we want to be running more of those groups so that we can support more young people in the community but we also get that it's it's actually really it's a big ask to ask an anxious teenager yeah, you imagine Emily, yeah. if I'd have said to you, great, come along to this group where you know I nobody. I'm actually. glad you said that because Emily asked me that. He said, how do you get someone anxious I did, to go I did. to them? Yeah. Um, several things you've run. My mum yeah. would be like, why don't you go along? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I'd a huge like, no. ask. It's a huge ask. We get that. Um, and, you know. <laughs> you can't. So it's we, great, we would but say, time. We would say, 
you can bring a friend, so mm. you don't have to be on your own. Mm. Uh, um, you can have a long chat, and I can go through exactly what's going to happen in the session, so that yeah. it's not a, a, like an unknown. Yeah. I'll take as much of that kind of unknown quantity out of it as possible. You can have a look at our videos on our website and our YouTube channel, so that you kind of get a flavour for who we are, um, mm. which I think is really uh, can be reassuring. Um, but I do, we do absolutely yeah. understand it's a big ask. Uh, you know, to, to ask anxious teenagers to come to a new place with new people to try new <laughs> stuff, it's a lot. And that's where Haven Schools kind of came about, where we um, work in partnership with great people like STEP and Young Life um, to go into schools to deliver um, a six-week course um, that you can access actually in your school. And we're already running in about 10, 11 schools in this area. So, Amazing. and we'll be doing more and more of that. That's the idea, is that we, we kind of just grow that so that more young people can access uh, either in the community or in schools. Um, but we're also kind of exploring how, for those people who really can't do either of those, um, mm. we're growing our digital um, kind of channel um, with short films and messages that are just kind of bite-sized chunks and encouragements, really, you know, just to, that, that there, are, there are choices that you can make. Mm. I think sometimes when we are in the grip of something uh, when I'm feeling like particularly anxious, got an, a particularly anxious period, or I know there are other people feeling quite low and, and depressed, it can feel that you just don't have choices. Mm. And I think that's one of the things that Haven wants to offer, is that there are choices to be that you can make, that you can feel more in control of uh, reducing and managing anxiety, uh, so that it you know, feels life feels more better because we that's what we believe in don't we we believe we you know we do this because we believe that we have a god who just wants you to have life to the full mm. and when you are feeling kind of almost like in a cage aren't you when you've got the, that kind of anxiety or depression that just feels like it's just too much and uh, and we want to be part of, of that hope um that that life can be really good mm. and we to sort of wet people's out, we're hoping in the autumn to be having some sort of, we just talking terribly about it, some sort of drop-in cafe where it has almost the best of both worlds. So it's a really safe, relaxed environment to yeah. just come out in the evening that's not church, that's not school, that's not family, but actually can still give us a space where we can have conversations that talk about, like you said, how do I, how do I, reach out, how do I go after this full life that uh, seems to be eluding me at the moment, you know. Uh, and so we're hoping that that will happen in the autumn, so yeah. um, Haven is, has got a newfound sort of push down the hill, so it's really exciting. Yeah, um, Emily, it's been a joy. I wonder whether we might have Emily back for a whole <laughs> other one on that we could talk to you about, and we definitely want to get to know your friend who has takeaways. Do you know what it is? I wanted to go, what takeaway do you have? But <laughs> it was probably a while ago, wasn't it? It was so. a while ago. I think it was pizza. Well, see, the difference is Mike would remember the specific takeaway <laughs> and the place that was, the pizza came from. Yeah, and whether it was any good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, it's been, Emily, thank you so much. Thank you for um, having me. Uh, yeah. Emily, do you want anyone to follow any of your social media things? Does that help? You can do if you'd like to. <laughs> well, which is the best one? Because we've got Haven Resilience on the Instagram. Instagram. And then what have, what have you got? What would, or, or maybe as well, what are some of the things you follow mm. 
that would be helpful as well on any of the platforms? Oh, so my Twitter account is the one I use the most. It's at it's Emily Katie, I-T-S, Emily, E-M-I-L-Y, K-T-K-A-T-Y. Um, and it's the same on my Instagram. Um, oh, I don't know. It depends what kind of issue you're looking at, guys. I don't what know. Specifically. Anything helpful? Because you were saying you were following some things that are really interesting. I just think we want to give people a, f- mm. a few places they can go because yeah. if like you said it's about continuing to reach out if you haven't got those people mm-hmm. actually for some people social media is a really good yeah. first step isn't it to find yeah so actually i'm um part of this peer support network called hearts and minds um it's for young people i think 14 i want to say 14 to 25 14 to 24 or something um they're based in london but they also do like online stuff um okay. oh, hearts and minds not as in Hertfordshire. No, it's like hearts, <laughs> hearts and minds. Yeah. So the beating hearts, yes, not the place. Exactly. <laughs> um, so that's really great. It's kind of just peer support sessions. Um, you can just connect with other young people who have like mental health difficulties of kind Beating of any mind. level. Um, so that's quite good. And also, um, if you're autistic, um, the Autistic Girls Network is a charity that is just being set up at the moment that I'm a trustee for. Um, so it'd be great if you could look into that. What age range to. does that sort of? It's mainly, it's mainly for girls, so under 18s, but we share lots of stuff on there. Yeah. And we're fans of Headstrong yeah. as well, which is through a bunch of people at and yeah. a few others. But yeah, Headstrong's on all the platforms and is another really good tool. But we'll um, add them at the bottom of the podcast release yes, so people will. can get the links, <laughs> won't you? Or is Alex doing it now because she does podcasts better? That's true, I'm just getting <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 no. She can be the media wizard. <laughs> oh. Excellent, right. sign us off, Ben. Great, thanks so much for coming and chatting to us. That was great. Uh, thanks to everyone listening. We'll see you on the next one. Bye.